Hey guys, Pastor Josh here, Agape Center Ministries. So you are about to listen to the message that I preached today at Agape Center. Um, and basically the message was based around just a warning and um, a, I don't know, I, I guess an, an openness and confession on, on my part to um, recognizing and being mindful of the people that we listen to. And um, maybe even developing some some standards, maybe some um, identifiers that we can utilize and being mindful of the the people that we're listening to, especially on online, on YouTube and things like that, because there are many false teachers out there and there are many people, as the word says, and as you'll hear in the message that are out there just to fulfill some selfish ambition. Um, and I even go into in this message, my um, my own um I guess experience with this with um, following Ravi Zacharias and you know I'll give a, a little bit of a, an insight on that in the message as well but um, you know some things that I, I advise you to do especially in going into this message is listen with a humble heart first and foremost um, I, I hope my humility comes through in the message as well um, but just really having you um, the, the the fellow Christian. I'm putting yourself in a position to just seek the Holy Spirit and wisdom for the people you listen to, um, some things to look for when it comes to the speakers that you are listening to, especially online, is the lifestyle that they live, okay, so the, the fruits of, of their life, you know, are they living lavish lifestyles, are they a more of a celebrity than they are a pastor, what kind of accountability do they have around them at the church um, that they belong to, do they belong to a church anywhere, or are they more so kind of the the head of the church and everyone just kind of falls under what they say that goes, and um, what kind of gospel do they preach, and that's something that I really emphasize in this message too that you'll hear um, that I think is a good determining factor because, you know, we can't be in their homes to see what kind of life they live with their families and stuff like that, but accountability is huge. Um, the gospel, what kind of gospel they preach is huge, which is definitely what I hit on in this message that you're about to listen to um, from today and Paul's warning from um, the book of Galatians and talking about just being mindful of the gospel that's brought to them. I even speak out of Romans chapter 16 of the doctrine um, that is brought to them if anyone is to bring to them a different teaching or doctrine that was given to them um, to separate yourselves. And doctrine does do just that. Doctrine does separate us. It's called to do so. It's called to separate us from people that are out there preaching false doctrine. And right now you see it a lot in the church when it comes to this um, even sense of unity, right? Um, this ecumenicalism that's that's going on um, out there right now as well. This inclusiveness that's going on in the church. This is not the things that we've learned about in sound doctrine. And one of the things I want to close in kind of this prelude to the message that you're about to listen to that I didn't cover um, as well in today's sermon is, is that with all of these false teachings, inclusiveness, ecumenicalism, um, you, you hear even about church fathers now where there's people that are held to this high stand or this high level of authority in the church to where they're the ones that are discerning factors of doctrine rather than us using doctrine to discern their teaching. Um, when you look at all this stuff, there's this vilification, right? This demonizing of sound doctrine, of orthodox teaching. And that's very prevalent. And I look at the book of Philippians where Paul um, is sitting here speaking in chapter 1, verse 15. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So I hear that, and I and you go. That's the ESV. You can pick it up in the in the NIV as well. 
these people will give fits to those who are preaching sound doctrine. Okay, they're preaching a doctrine that tickles your ears. They're smooth in their talking. Um, they're cunning. They want to keep you small and infantile in your faith. And they kind of lord that over you. So people that come along that do try to preach a sound doctrine, an orthodox doctrine, something that Paul is sitting here saying when he talks in the book of Galatians, if they bring anything other than what I've brought to you, um, let them be accursed. It's in that that people really try to demonize and vilify sound doctrine. They don't want to hear it anymore. All right. They, they, they give you fits. Everything about the sound doctrine and all that is it's, it's mean, it's hate speech. It's, it's all that. It's not inclusive. It's not unity. It's not, those are the things that we're seeing right now in the church. So I want you to have that in your heart, in your mind. Um, when you are going through the word, this is why me as a pastor, I try to be um, humble and, and asking people to test me through the word, because as you read in Ephesians chapter four, um, you know, God has given us the preachers, the teachers, the apostles, the prophets. Um, we, we've been given these for the building up of the church. Okay, so people can reach all together a maturity and a unity in the faith. Okay, in the faith and through the faith. So we can all reach that full measure um, of understanding and knowing Jesus Christ. So it's not meant for me to just always be lording over you and separate my job and objective as a pastor is to raise you up in maturity and that authority that has been given to me through the word is governed and structured and held over me by the word okay so i am not more valid than you or anything like that i'm just more accountable because the scriptures call for me with that authority to teach you based on what the word which is the authority says so that is the weight, the balance, the checks, all those things that um, you guys are called to hold your pastors to. So please test the pastors you listen to. Um, I will, I didn't name really a lot of names in this message as well, but I will make sure that I do give my exposition on some people that I'm concerned about out there that are very smooth and very slick. And I'm not saying that people are good at, that are good at speaking and all of that are necessarily false teachers, but Paul does remind us in Romans 16 that... Um, it is a vehicle that they use to deceive. It is a vehicle that they use to um, trick the naive and an infant mindset or the infantile Christian. Um, so you are knocked back and forth to and fro, not really knowing what to listen to, what to grab onto. But I will guarantee the things that you will gravitate to are the ones that feel good to the flesh rather than convicting and the things that are sound in spirit and doctrine. So I love you guys. I thank you for listening. Enjoy the message. I, I ask that you reach out with any questions from this message, but um, I send it to you with love. And um, I pray for your discernment, your wisdom, and for the words to just be planted in your heart. Thank you very much. God bless. My Bible needs double-sided tape, too, as you guys see. It is a good sign. It means you're using it. <laughs> what was that? There you go. Willie, there you go. A beat-up Bible is a used Bible. So... So the message today is one that is...
convicting for me and I'm going to express to you guys it's cool that I can use a chair now for a table because I have this amazing lectern that once again I feel so official using so I'm gonna have you guys go to the book of Ephesians okay we're gonna start there this is gonna be kind of the the baseline scripture passage today that we're gonna use we're gonna go to Ephesians chapter 4 and we're just gonna start here today and I will expound or expand out from this passage. So, so Ephesians chapter 4, we are starting off at verse 11. You guys recall a couple weeks ago we spoke about like spiritual muscle, spiritual growth through God's Word and how His Word is truth and when we read about truth in the Bible it's kind of just another way of speaking about his word and how there's this component through his word that we are called to grow in it in the spiritual maturity and spiritual muscle and I and I went to you guys and I read out of Ephesians chapter 4 and I went to verse 14 and it says talking about why we don't want to be infants in the faith says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Now that was verse, or that's chapter 4, verse 14. That was the component that I was trying to lay out to you guys a couple weeks ago in the message. Understanding that it's through God's word that we build up the spiritual muscle, being able to call out and recognize things. Um, and we don't want to be infants in that mindset because when we stay young, we pretty much just fall for anything, anything that we hear, right? I could stand up here and, you know, if my objective to you is to keep you guys small, right? I want you to stay small in your faith, small in your understanding of the word. I can stand up here and I could literally just heap whatever kind of teaching over you that I want to. And that's happened a lot in church, has it not? I mean, if, if I can so often make it to where this area up here like guys when i stand up here in front of you guys i'm not going to lie to you the pulpit it almost feels like you kind of have a shield here right like i i just say stuff to you guys but i'm protected from what you guys can say back but i am blessed because there's yeah see don looks at me and shakes her head i am blessed because i do love when people do say stuff back or they ask questions to an extent okay yes there's a call of order in worship if you guys were to continuously start talking and it was to d distract everyone from what the message was about, then yes, I as a pastor would have to exercise my authority and say, Barb, I'm sorry, sweetie. You're going to have to just wait till after service and we'll talk later, okay? And that will bring everyone to a, a hush and maybe someone will just look at me and go, man, he's a jerk. I'm not coming back to that church again. Keegan's even smiling at that one. So anyways, though, this passage... 4.11 through 13, to me, is my objective as a pastor, okay? It is my objective because God's Word calls for me to do this, to be this to you guys. It is my, my work is laid out in this passage. And I think we fail at that a lot in church. Not only because of me as a pastor, but maybe too because people like to just sit comfortably in their pews at church and just let me be
be the feeder of the word, right? And you guys have heard me speak about this. Like, I encourage you guys to be in the word. I encourage you guys to test me through the word. I do. I love it. I love the questions. I love the, the curiosity. I love even the, are you sure about this? Like, I enjoy that because it makes me go back and look where? To God's word for the answer. Look to God's word for discernment and wisdom. Seeking and relying on the Holy Spirit and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit for that as well. The Holy Spirit is governed and disciplined through God's word. So starting off here at chapter 4, verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, not just me, okay, not just elders, not just other pastors, all of us, all of us, reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay? All of us. My objective and my job as a pastor, is yes, I shepherd the flock, I, I, I minister to people, I evangelize, we're all called to go out and sow seed, but this flock, this body of people, people that walk in the door and claim themselves to be a part of Agape Center Ministries, me as your pastor, my objective as a person who has been gifted to teach God's Word, called to do so, is to get you guys to become unified in a sense of maturity the same level of maturity that even I'm at. Now, you guys aren't all going to be gifted to stand up here and preach on Sunday. That's not it. But here's the beauty of it. It gives me checks and balances as a pastor. Does it not? If Brandon knows or Caden knows the word because I'm telling them to go to the word and I start speaking something goofy, those two can come together and go, you hear what he said on Sunday? And out of love for me, they can approach me through God's word and with his word and say, listen, we have concerns about what you spoke about because we're not finding it here. Can you elaborate more? This is why elders are important of a church as well. That's why I need as a pastor to have accountability too. Checks and balances. I could easily just sit back as a pastor, be the lone elder and just go, you guys listen to me. I'm going to feed you. You come in Sunday, you leave and we're good, right? I kind of always just keep that sense of authority over you. But through this passage here, it's actually saying that I'm called to raise and build you guys up to a level of maturity so we're all unified, right, to that full measure in accordance to Jesus Christ. So this is kind of the baseline passage of what I am going to be speaking from. But I want to confess to you guys something that has been convicting to me, but something that I fell to in regards to my own heart when it comes to pastors and people that you look at and listen to and, and, and look up to and all that. Because we're told as Christians that we are called to do things for God and to please God and not to please man. And you guys have heard me say, and Jelaine has come to me. I love my wife. She's like, do you think you have to be careful with, you know, bringing this stuff up and saying this? And for you guys that have been a part of the, the Refine series and um, you guys have heard, Matt, you've heard, Chris, Justin, 
A big component about what we're learning about as elders and godly men is to protect the flock from what? False teaching, right? Bad doctrine, okay? People that, that, that will speak and say things to help keep Christians little or confused or stumble, okay? It's kind of an objective that, that some people have because it, it keeps me big as a pastor and it keeps you small. It keeps me grown and mature by your perception, but it keeps you small and infantile. And there's so much from that that I can do so many things. It, 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 money can be exploited. I can take advantage of members of my church and, and things like that. Like These are the elements on why the Bible speaks so heavily about accountability, about fellowship, why God gave us the church. Because we need that accountability. You guys need that accountability as brothers and sisters in the faith. And if we don't have that fellowship component, you have no accountability. Christianity is not a lone wolf faith. We don't like accountability, right? Like real accountability. We learn that in the Refined Series. Like this guy says, like we, well, sometimes we like to pick and choose who we want to hold us accountable. Right? We want to pick maybe as men, we want to pick other men that we know probably won't say anything about our shortcomings or our falls, right? And I can look at you guys right now and pick out the men that are in here right now. I'm willing to believe that you guys aren't those kind of guys, right? Like, like if I was to screw up or do something or something wasn't right or you heard about something that I did, I'm willing to believe and bet that you guys would come to me and say, listen, pastor, we don't agree with this. That kind of accountability is not fun, but it is necessary because it keeps us aligned and focused on the race that we're called to run as Christians. So I'm going to have you guys turn to the book of Romans, okay? And you're going to look at chapter 16, and I will go to the verse here in a little bit, but I do want to give you a little bit of a backstory on what I'm speaking about today and why I felt like this was prevalent for me to bring up because I too, your pastor, have fallen to this, especially recently. So Romans chapter 16. I've been a pastor now for five years, okay? And I don't have an elder board. Now, I've tried to be somewhat proactive with making sure that I meet with pastors in the area. God has, has humbled me in, in not being so judgy and so you know, nitpicky with people of the church and saying, well, they're too traditional or they're not biblical enough. Like I could have easily developed kind of that um, witch hunter mindset about churches, okay? But lately, I've had to really come to this realization, especially with the men of our ministry, that this church, this body, needs a skeleton. And that skeleton is made up of godly men, elders, and leaders. And it's my calling as a pastor to be the one to train those men. But on Monday nights, I come in here and I meet with a couple guys that are from other ministries. Okay, It is something I do every Monday. They are One guy used to be a former pastor, and the other guy was a, a youth pastor here in Coldwater as well. Godly men, men that uh, I, we know their families, right? The above reproach thing that we learned in Refined is a saying that when we talk about above reproach, it, first and foremost, the most important place to, to acknowledge that and to have that acknowledged is in your household. You want the truth about someone, Dawn? Talk to their spouse. Talk to their kids. Simple as that, right? 
So, so these are guys that I looked at and sought after, and I'm like, I need that fellowship. I need that James 5.16 lifestyle where it says, come and confess your sins to your brothers and sisters because you know the weight and the burden that that secret sin can hold on your life. So to have these guys to have pray over you, to speak to you about stuff, to encourage you, to bounce scripture off of, for me and my walk as a pastor, only makes me a better pastor and overseer to you guys as well. But even before that, there were people that I would listen to on social media, books that I would buy from individuals as well. And I really got entrenched and involved with apologetics. Now, for you guys that don't know what apologetics are, it's just the ability to defend our faith, okay? So you speak to someone that maybe is outside of your faith. You kind of develop kind of this spiritual knowledge and this biblical knowledge to be able to go to a person and not necessarily fight with them, but defend why you believe what you believe in as a Christian. You can get kind of heady and stuff. like So in this journey, which you know I'm grateful for, I've been able to have discussions with Mormons. I've been able to have discussions with Muslims. I've been able to have discussions with people that don't even believe in a God, like atheists. Sit down and just have legitimate discussions to make people think. That's it. Make them think twice about their perspective on where they're coming from. And I love it. Like, I, I still do. I, 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 think it's a, I think it's a powerful thing. But one thing that I have come to realize, and one thing that I try to make sure I emphasize to people when it comes to this apologetic mindset, okay, defending the faith, is apologetics never saved anyone. Apologetics never led anyone to the cross. The, this defense doesn't do that. That's not what it's called to do. And I'll give you a story real quick of a pastor that is a, he's a reformed guy, he's a theological guy, he's a smart guy. He shared this story about when he was in college, he was a college football player, and he was being ministered to when he just came to the Lord by a couple of his teammates, okay? And he was in his dorm one night, and a couple guys came up to his dorm and knocked on the door, and they had the white badge and all that stuff, and they were Mormons, Okay? And he could tell instantly when they were talking about stuff that something just didn't seem right about what they were speaking. So this dude goes to the library and he starts reading about everything about Mormonism. He's studying because his mindset is to literally slaughter these guys when they come back to his apartment. Some of us can get that about us, right? We want to win arguments, even in Christianity. I want to show to you, Brandon's talking right now, I want to show you why I'm right and why you're wrong. But we can even justify because what are we doing? We're defending the faith, right, Matt? Like, I know what you believe in isn't really biblical, so I want to sit down with you and I want to devour you to an extent. Like, maybe that's not my mindset going into it, but man, it feels good to know some stuff and I'm going to tell you what I know. So he gets ready and all that and these two guys come back and he does just that. Slaughters them. Like, he devours them with just this theological knowledge. Why does the Book of Mormonism say that when the Bible says this? I mean, go on. And these guys are literally standing there, stumped. Felt pretty good about himself. Goes back and starts telling all of his buddies. They're high-fiving him, fist bump, all that stuff. But he has this one buddy that comes up to him. And he looks at him. He says, you feel pretty good about yourself, huh? He's like, dude, I got them. He's like, I got them. They came and all. Guy looks at him, he stops him, and he says, do you think they'll come back? 
and instantly this conviction came over them. No, they won't. What did I do to give God glory in that interaction? What am I doing this for? Am I doing it to make myself look smart? Am I doing it because I want these guys to feel stupid in their belief? Or am I doing it because I want them to know Christ? And what am I doing to show that? And he said that was an eye-opening moment for him. That yes, it's important to be able to defend our faith when we speak to people that don't believe in Christ. But at the end of the day, realize and understand that apologetics never saved anyone. The gospel, however, the gospel does. That is what we are called as Christians to do, is to go out and speak the gospel to people. Now, some of you, many of you, don't have the ability to be able to sit down with a Muslim or, or a Mormon or, or Jehovah's Witness and, and have those discussions, but you guys know the gospel. There's power in the gospel. As of late, you guys maybe have heard about an individual by the name of Ravi Zacharias. Have you not? How many of you have heard this story? Okay. Okay. This was a guy that you, me as your pastor, he fed a lot into my upbringing and understanding and learning God's Word. Okay? A teacher that I would simply sit there and refer to him as. We spoke about this last week at Refined a little bit. Okay? He has been an apologetic for over 50 years, I believe. Traveling all around the world. Smart guy. A guy that when my wife listens to him, she stops him after five minutes. She's like, I don't know 15 of the words he just said. Like, I remember listening to him, I'd have to Google some of the things he said because I, I didn't know what they meant. But his perspective and his logic and the way that he was able to put stuff to defend the gospel was amazing. He passed away this last year. Okay? I, I, I stopped listening to him as much because I really came to that understanding, too, that apologetics aren't the essence here. It's still about making sure that I preach and speak the gospel teach you guys the word. It isn't about me standing up here and just showing you how much I know and how I can defend stuff, right? It's not about that. It's about me just simply wanting to teach you guys as it just, we just read about in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I want to build you guys up to a place of maturity so you're not infants, so you're not being knocked back and forth to and fro from every deceitful doctrine that's out there, okay? And the thing about Ravi is, is, is that he didn't speak anything unbiblical, he really didn't. But what he did do is he lived unbiblical. It was found out for years, proven undeniably, that he was using massage parlors in Canada to have indecent relationships with women. Sexually abused women as well. To the point where his own ministry that he founded, RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, them, they themselves released the official report and acknowledgement that he lived this kind of life. Now, I'm not here to go into all the details about it. That's not my point in this. It's not my perspective. But I want to put myself on the chopping block here. When I heard the reports initially, I didn't want to believe that they were true. That was the problem. 
Now you guys might sit there and go, well, why is it wrong for you to not want to believe it's true? You don't want that stuff to happen to those women, right? No, I didn't. But I'm going to expose to you my heart here. The reason why I didn't want them to be true is because I put a place, I put Ravi Zacharias in a place of idolship in my ministry. And what I mean by that is, is, is that instead of me just looking at the Word of God, right, and instead of me just putting my focus on that, I wanted to believe simply by what I saw on YouTube every so often that that was the man in integrity and accountability in all of the essence of everything that he was showing that I was seeing what I was getting and that was the man even outside of ministry on YouTube. And I sat there and it really hit me. I'm thinking, and I even said this to Jelaine. I go, Jelaine, I've been like on this 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 track and trying to teach and preach to our, our church and our flock people out there of being mindful of false teachers, false doctrines as well. Now people might sit there and go, well, why is Ravi a false teacher? Just for the same reason why people are called false prophets. Remember last week what we spoke about? You're witnessing to people, right? If you're a non-believer in Jesus Christ and you heard about all these prophecies popping up in 2020 and they didn't come true and everyone's fighting about false prophecies in the church that guy's kooky that guy and we're all claiming to be Christians brothers and sisters in the faith but you're a non-believer what do you think about Christianity when you witness that we're dysfunctional we don't know what to believe we don't know where we start and Jesus ends or where Jesus starts and we. Like, we don't know. We, we have no idea what's going on here. Well, we're making prophetic claims now based on political stuff and all. We're just losing it. But what do you think happens to the person that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ that hears about a guy like Ravi Zacharias? Using God, using power that he has, to sexually exploit women. What does that do in the witnessing of Christ to the world around us? It doesn't do anything good, I can guarantee you that. This is why it's imperative and important to realize that, yes, what he spoke about in a doctrine sense was biblical. But someone said something to me that was imperative that I never thought about. And I say this to you guys because this is what I want you guys to do when you leave here today. If you listen to people on YouTube, and I know a lot of you guys do, a question that I ask you is what kind of gospel do they preach? Now you guys might sit there and go, well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? I'm going to have you guys stay in Romans, but I'm going, to, I'm going to read something to you that's very powerful here out of the book of Galatians, what Paul says. You guys stay in Romans. This is Paul to the church, uh, the Galatian church. Chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. A different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, this is the safeguard for many of you. Well, their website says this. Or, 
I don't know what they believe in the God. They don't really ever preach the gospel. That's where I fell short when it came to Ravi Zacharias. He never preached the gospel. He was great at taking biblical context and kind of throwing it out there at you or making you think things in a way. But one thing he never spoke of, and I had to go back, like literally sitting there when I heard this person say this, did he ever speak in a manner and a way, even when he gave his testimony, that you and I are sinful? That you and I have this deserving judgment because of sin, of God's wrath? That as that song said earlier, that on the cross, Jesus bore that deserving judgment, but mercy and righteousness came and kissed. They met, they embraced. Mercy because you and I were deserving of what Jesus was getting, but righteous because God is a righteous judge and he doesn't sit there and ignore sin, but someone had to bear it. Someone had to take it. Because sin is evident. And it's for those who believe in Christ because he took that sin that they're saved and they're forgiven. That's the gospel. Now, I can stand up here and I can give you the midpoint part of it. Chris, you know God loves you and saved you from your sin. Give your life to him, right? Isn't that, isn't, isn't that the gospel, Josh? A little bit kind of makes Chris sound more like, or makes God sound like the you know Jesus kind of this novelty and you know yeah life's not that good and I'll, I'll give my life to Him and okay I'm I'm things are rough but if I give it to Him you know He's forgiven me for that so that then leads way too to this mindset where people have to where I can continue to just live in sin and God will continue to just forgive me. There's no as we learned about conviction in our faith, right? There's a cognition of God, almost like this watered-down version of Him, a watered-down version of the Gospel, but there's really no conviction because all sin's the same sin, right, Josh? We all sin. The difference between Ravi Zacharias, though, and a person that slips to sin is, is that Ravi Zacharias was living in it. He was embracing it, and he was using this very book that I'm holding in my hand to fulfill it. Do you guys think that's right? So not only does it affect the people like me who listened to him, but I think more so of the people that don't know God yet that are listening to the story now of Ravi Zacharias. Oh, this is what your Jesus is about? This is what Christ is about? This is why I don't go to church. This is why I don't believe in that stuff. Because people are wicked. They just use it for their own personal gain. What gospel are the people that you're listening to preaching these days? What gospel is it? This is the, not everything in the Bible, not everything that we deal with as a church, church, is gospel. And what do I mean by that? I would be open and honest with you. I don't believe the gift or the, the evidence of the Holy Spirit being present in us is speaking in tongues. That goes against what many Pentecostal people believe. But guess what? What gospel do they preach? That's just one of those minor things that, guess what? You're still a brother and sister in Christ to me. That's a minor thing that I don't have to sit there and look at and go, Dusty, you don't believe in that? Sweetie, you ain't saved. That's not the gospel. 
But we do that with people. Like, there's different levels of heresy in the church and false teachings and all that stuff. Those are one of those things that I'll look at and go, that's not the gospel. But when I listen to a person or a pastor preach, and it just seems like that I'm just the theme of the message. Like, Jesus is here for me. That Jesus needs me. That ain't the gospel that Paul brought. And Paul even sits there and says to himself, like, he goes, but even if we are an angel from heaven, like, this is how serious he's trying to be about this. If we are an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Now, in the Greek, it says anathema. That means damn these people to hell. That's serious. He says, as we have already said, now, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So guys, today, 2021, I just spoke to you guys the gospel about where we are apart from God and why we need a Savior. I spoke to you guys the true meaning of the Good Samaritan parable, right? That we can't love that way, which then exposes our need for a Savior, which should point the direction of our affection to God. If I come to you guys in a year and I start to water that down, Caden, I would hope to God that you would sit there and look at Nikki and just go, that ain't what he preached last year. I'm concerned. Like Josh's messages, like, man, we got more people in the pews, but his message don't sound like what his message used to sound like. You guys know, and I'm, I'm throwing this out there because this is, this is the real deal. Me as a pastor, like, I know... I have an in where I could be trendy and cool. Like I could speak to a manner where people like Keegan, right? Jake, Jarrett, Johnny, they'll look at me and be like, yeah, Pastor Josh is a pretty cool guy. He's got tattoos, works out. I even like the way he talks, right? Like I could play that angle with them. It makes mom and dad sit there and go, oh, my kids like to go to church, right? You guys need to come and I can't do that. I'm not doing this to please Jake. I'm not doing it to please Keegan. I have to do it to please God because as they grow up and become men, I want them to remember the words that I said because they're God's words. They're not mine. And I really used to sit back and think, I don't want to be a jerk and be mean and call things out. But the more that I read the word, like I see that Paul names names and he brings this to the forefront. It was the number one thing preached about by Jesus Christ, false doctrine, false gospels. Why do you guys think that is? Because it was prevalent then, and it's prevalent now. People are still doing it. Do you guys understand and know that there are churches, very popular churches, and I'm saying this because I want you guys to think about it, and you guys can fact-check me on this. There's churches that you guys are listening to that I want you guys to imagine right now, I'm sitting here speaking to you and I'm giving a message, right? And Brandon and Nikki are back there clapping and screaming, screaming, amen, pastor, amen, right? Chris is yelling and all that, which would be weird because Chris is a quiet guy. Caden's hitting Nikki like, yo, this dude's speaking like this. And I see that and I got people that go up to them after church and I go, hey, Brandon, Nikki, Caden, Nikki, Chris, man, I like your guys' energy. Listen, we got an online thing that we do. You guys know we record online. So people at home really can get that emotion and that feel. I want you guys to move up front. 
I want you guys to move up front and be a part of this crowd of people that sit there so when pastor's up there giving a word and a message, they hear you and they see you. So when you're at home and watching YouTube, you see these guys losing their mind, it feeds into the emotion of what you're watching and doing. And when our emotion is high, our ears go deaf. I remember in college we listened to a message and it was the power of the word and power of emotion. And I watched this hour-long lecture of this doctor talking about the brain. This doctor was dressed to the nine, used big words, all that. We're sitting there listening to him and we get done. He looks at the crowd and everyone's smiling, they're laughing, they're like, this is great. Like he had people rolling, like all that stuff. He wasn't even a doctor. Everything he said was a lie. He made it up. Guys, I used to do it when I was selling sports nutrition products. When I walked into GNC, were they looking at my brain or were they looking at my arms? That dude's got big arms. He knows what he's talking about. I'll listen to Caden. Look at him. He's built. You don't need to know a thing about sports nutrition products. But when you walk into a big building and everyone's there and all that and the emotion is there and all that stuff, it's fair game for me to speak to you guys whatever I want to speak about. And this is hit upon in Romans, okay? It, it is something that I get bogged down with it from people because they hear me speak about it. I get messages sent about it. I get all this stuff about it. And I know I sit there, I'm like, Lord, how do, you're a pastor. Guide your flock. Be unpopular if you have to for a day. Speak these things. Put them in a place of conviction, but let them know your conviction as well. My conviction is, is I too fell to this. Charismatic, Indian dude, used big words. Just slick. Never preached the gospel. Your pastor never even caught it. Right? I learned a lot from him. But how easily could I have been that way to you guys? I just wanted you guys to know how smart I was. You know, you got that Muslim friend, Barb, here, tell him this. She never goes to him and brings him the good news. She can have every discussion and cup of coffee with that individual that she wants. Those cunning, slick words don't save nobody. But even people that stand up front, people that you guys may watch on YouTube, remember I told you guys about it a couple weeks. It's not so much that it's just unbiblical. Some of the things that they speak just want to keep you guys small. They just keep you infantile without even really understanding that it's the word that you should use to test the things that they say. Pastor Josh, why don't you ever talk about the gospel? I tell you guys all the time when I preach here at church on Sunday, I preach to the saved, not the unsaved. Why do you think, though, that I intertwine the gospel in a message? Because there's a possibility that one of you may be bringing someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ doesn't know God, and I make sure that I work the gospel into the message so they hear that. I don't care if they hear how smart that I am. My exegesis on Galatians, I don't care about that. I save that stuff for my wife when she doesn't want to listen to me about stuff. She's my, she's my ear for that. Mariah even gives me great talk. Mariah asked me some good questions. When she was at Grace, Hey, what do you think about this? I had coffee with this dude that thought about that, and I'm just sitting there like, what do I think about that? Makes me go to the Word. It's awesome.
Questions about the Bible lead you to the Bible. The Word defends the Word. So I'm going to go here to Romans. In verse 17, chapter 16. And I, you guys, I'm recording this. I, 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 I know I hit record this time. I ask you guys to share this with people that you know. People that you know maybe that don't go to church and they just want to listen to sermons online. They love the way the pastor dresses. They love the way they're able to connect with them. The theatrics of the message that they give. Guys, the Bible calls for us to be wise in the things that we listen to, wise in the things that we hear. And it isn't about being on a witch hunt for people that claim to be pastors or pastors. And I'm not, I don't want this to be that. I don't want you to go, Brenda, I know you listen to this dude and he ain't biblical. It's not about that. What I do want you guys to do, though, is test the things that you hear. Because guess what? Church today is much different than what church was 20 years ago. When you came into church on Sunday, as a pastor, you heard from me teaching and preaching to you. Now you guys can leave here and get in your car and go to YouTube and listen to another pastor and another pastor. And you guys got all these waves hitting you back and forth, back and forth. Well, pastor Josh said this, but man, this message, he said this, and this sounds a little bit better to me. At least it, it sits well better with me. Guys, I don't claim to know everything. I'm learning as I grow in the, in the Lord as well. But the best place that I can be as a pastor is a place of humility. Humility allows me to see things the way that God wants me to see them. And then I have an objective to then relay that to you guys. But guess what? The weight that we hold here, the, 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 the scale of balance, is God's Word. It'll always fall back on God's Word. Is Josh preaching truth? Go to the Bible. And do pastors tell you that? The pastors you listen to, do they tell you to go to the Bible? Or do you just get enthralled with the emotion, the look, right? So he says here in, in verse 17, I urge you. You guys know what that word means, right? Urge. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. Now, there's a lot in this passage, and I'm not going to unpack everything because you guys want to get home today, but I was a big person that struggled with denominations, indoctrination, and all that stuff, and I still have my hang-ups about some of this stuff, right? The division in the church. But what I've learned and understood is, is that doctrine divides. It shouldn't necessarily divide us as believers, but what does it divide us from? It divides us from those who cause divisions and put obstacles in our way. So it's funny here because Paul is saying, watch out for those who cause divisions, but what does he say there at the end? Keep away from them. So he is actually saying here that it's in God's word and understanding his word that us as a body and knowing his word, chewing on his word, holding each other accountable in his word, encouraging each other through the word, relying on the Holy Spirit that's governed and disciplined through his word, that when we are there in that place, walking in truth as we learned a couple weeks ago, that it'll actually cause us to separate from those 
who don't preach and teach the word the way that it's called to be done. He says, keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Now, some of your Bibles may say bellies. Okay? Basically just sitting there saying that you, we've got some sinful appetites, right? Some selfish ambition. I spoke to you guys about Ravi, right? Some sexual desires. They're using the Bible, the preaching that they're giving out, it's to fulfill those desires. Guys, we're, sin, we're sinful beings. We have temptations. We do. I don't think I've ever tried to say anything different to you guys. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're walking around just pure and never going to fall to the temptation of sin. It's not that. But why do you think the accountability is so important? Why do you think an individual like me that's a pastor that gets to stand up here in front of you guys, everyone's looking at me, listen to me, and all that stuff, it's easy for me to get my head too big about stuff. Right? Well, they don't come for praise and worship. We ain't got a praise and worship band. They come to listen to me talk. Right? Like, I could easily think that. I've been blessed with a wife to sit there and tell me, like, like, don't go there. But I even think you guys... I think you guys are, are the accountability as well. Like, I don't want that division. Like, I want you guys to look at me and trust me and go, okay, this guy works for the ministry. He works for the Lord. Like, he does. And, okay, if I want to question what he's telling me on Sunday, I'm going to look to his family too and go, does he live what he says? Does he? Is he a perfect dad? Is he a perfect husband? No, he's not. But does he live Christ to his family? It starts there. So from every factor of accountability, you guys hit me with the word, hit me with above reproach in my household. I'm going to sit here and all, with, with all like comfort and sit there and smile at you and go, I think I'm good. But it keeps me in alignment with where I should be as a pastor. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. How do you guys think that that's obtained? Got to be in the Word. We got to be in fellowship. Got to hold each other accountable. You know, when I look at, and I'll, I'll close with this, when I look at this mindset, too, of, of indoctrination and denominationalism and denominationalism spirit, like I hear people use that word, I go back to what I said to you guys earlier. Not everything's gospel. Like, I can have church with a charismatic individual, a Pentecostal individual. I can have church with a Church of Christ individual. Because I know what the gospel is that they believe. You know what I mean? These other things that aren't gospel, like those are things that we can easily attribute to gospel and sit there and go, well, they're not saved because they don't believe in this. I've been a victim of that. Like, not a victim, I've been guilty of that. You don't believe what I believe when it comes to this? How are you saved? The Lord convicted me on that and going, that's not how this goes. Like, there's going to be division, in a sense, with us, with doctrine, but these are the very things that call for us to come together in fellowship and teach and preach these things. We read about it in Corinthians as well. We know in part, 
As Paul writes and, and has said, we only know in part until Jesus comes back that we'll know completely. Guys, everything that we're doing as Christians now is as, as saved beings that are still intertwined with temptation and sin. We're doing everything only with a half knowledge of things because Jesus isn't here yet. We're just sanctification in process, being worked every day, chiseled away every day. But when I sit here, though, and I look at this, when I think of indoctrination and denominationalism, there's a movement right now in the church that's going on that sits there and says, Brenda, denominations are bad. That's why we need church fathers. That's why we need a select few from the church to go to and say, this is where we're going to go to get our discernment and our understanding of the Word. So, Pastor Josh, we're kind of divided when it comes to the, the, the understanding of this here. I don't like it. I, we've witnessed it. We've seen it. So what we're going to do is, is I'm going to appoint Brandon and Caden, me and Chris and Jake. And we're going to be the authorities of the church. Not elders. We're going to be seen as fathers because elders, that's all done, right? We're tired of eldership. We've seen elders. They're just a bunch of old men that sit around and like to talk about coffee and flagpoles and all that. So we're going, to be, we're going to do this the way that we feel like Jesus would want us to do it. We're going to have church fathers. So this is where we're going to go to get the understanding of the Word. The problem with that is, is there's no checks and balances in that mindset when it comes to the church. Whatever we say, fellas, goes. There, there is no, we don't even go to the Word, and, and it's just what we say goes. So if, if Don or Barb or Matt come and say, listen, biblically, the testing component that we're called to do, if we come and say those things to the fathers of this church, of this movement, we would just sit there and say, you guys are heretic and kick you out of the church. That's what's going on in the church today. Like, that stuff is real. We've gotten sick and tired of people's shortcomings with the church and what we just read about in Ephesians and how we've failed at really just bringing up individuals in a full maturity and, and making sure that there wasn't a divisive line from pulpit to congregation. So what we've done is, is we've completely gone to another unbiblical side and just go, let's get rid of all that because it wasn't used right and we're going to do it this way instead. The problem is, is once again not biblical. This is why you are seeing a lot of men of the church fall to moral failures. Popular guy out of New York, Hillsong Church. These guys plant these huge churches. They get elder boards. They call them elders. They're board elders, not pastoral elders. 15, 20 guys deep. So when you look at that, you go, oh, he's got a lot of accountability. No, he doesn't. He handpicked all those individuals. He's known them since they were in the third grade. He's golfed with them. He'll check me, but he's not going to check me, check me. Right? Like, yeah, I've been seeing this girl on the side. Just, you know how it can be sometimes. We're not really, don't worry, dude. I won't say anything to your wife. That's not God. That's not Christian. That's not church. It's not being humble. 
Ravi Zacharias, an apologetic, traveled all around the world. Guess what he lacked? Accountability. Dude flew all over the place. Being left alone, men, we've talked about this and refined. It is a horrible place to be for a man when you're alone. God said it himself. The first bad thing he spoke into existence or what he acknowledged was what? It's not good for man to be what? Alone. Men tend to do the dumbest things when they're by themselves. They do. So Ravi Zacharias, he's not a part of a ministry. He wasn't a part of a church. He had no accountability. Latter part of his life, he decides to take this young man around with him to kind of help speak or keep things in a certain order and fashion. He called him an accountability partner. This young man knew about everything that he was doing. Couldn't say anything to him. Didn't want to ruffle the feathers. Why was that? Because he was hand-picked. Guys, I want men of this church, I want people of this church to love God so much that you're willing to go to a brother and sister in Christ that you know is living in a manner in a way that's destructive and go to them and say, red flag, time out. And there are a lot of churches today that have a lot of people in a place of authority and leadership that don't have that accountability and it's scary because what it's teaching people of the church, what, what kind of doctrine they're learning. I assign you guys this reading, okay? Because Paul sits here and says, that's contrary to the teaching that you have learned, okay? He says that in verse 17. You guys are going, what teaching? In some Bibles it says doctrine. I want you guys to read the book of Romans this week. 1 through 16. Chapters 1 through 16. You guys want to know about what kind of doctrine he's speaking about? Read the book of Romans. He wants you guys to know that if anyone's coming to you teaching anything different than what's spoken about in this book, get away from them. If there's teachers out there you're listening to on Facebook that don't preach a gospel or they don't preach a gospel where you're the villain and Jesus is the hero, they make you the Robin to his Batman instead, stay away from them. If they preach a gospel that makes it sound like that you're actually inherently good inside, stay away from them. It's out there. Like, and I speak to you once again as your pastor, humble in heart. I too have been deceived by such things. Flattery talk, right? Smooth talk. These guys are good at it. They're amazing speakers. I'm not saying that everyone you listen to that's an amazing speaker is unbiblical or a false teacher. I'm just letting you know that this is one of the vehicles that they use to get what they want to get in their selfish ambition. Does that make sense? You guys want to listen to good speakers. There's tons of different ways you guys could do that, right? Some of these guys, they just use God's Word to reap some ungodly benefits from it. Amen? Thank you guys very much for listening. Romans, whole book, make that your reading assignment. I welcome you guys too. If you come across something this week and you're like, Josh, what do you think about this guy, this guy, this guy? Let's have conversation about it. I'm not going to sit there and witch hunt. I'm not going to sit there and bash, but I do welcome the conversation. Because guess what? Chances are a lot of the people you listen to, I've listened to. And there might be people you're listening to today that 
are sound and are good. I just welcome the conversation. Who do you think is sound? I have turned a lot.